Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Would you take your Bibles and open them to Hebrews chapter 4? Hebrews chapter 4, this is a Bible study that I've been wanting to share for some time now, uh, but we had to finish the book first, of course, and summarize everything coming together. Uh, In Hebrews 4, I want to give a summary of the topic of rest. It's a Bible study that I've entitled, Enjoying the Rest of God. Enjoying the Rest of God. I want to pause here and encourage us and remind us of the rest that God promises us by faith in Jesus Christ. A real true rest from the challenges and the difficulties and the issues of life. And that is, if you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ today, if you have a faith in God, if you are what the Bible would refer to as saved or a follower of Jesus Christ, or you have new life, you're born again as Jesus puts it, then by faith, this rest that we speak of, this rest and peace from the turmoil of life is available to you. It's already yours. You don't need to go to the Christian bookstore and buy it. You don't need to work it up. You you don't need to, to somehow turn your life around and do good. It's already yours by faith. All that's left for you to enjoy it is to believe God and what he says in his word. Listen, in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, the Bible says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Why? Because he trusts in you. Perfect peace comes from a settled mind of faith. Notice this in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river. And he will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. The truth is blessed is the man, blessed is the woman who trusts in Jehovah. Now today, much of the Christian experience is characterized by overcoming, overpowering sin, Anxiety, bondage, loneliness, strained relationships, discouragement, struggles, and even on occasion, depression. But that's not what God desires for us. Throughout the Bible, especially in the chapter before us, in Hebrews chapter 4, we're reminded that rest and peace and safety and joy and abundant life are all ours by faith. Truly, God, he's called the God of peace. He's referred to as the God of comfort. Jesus, he promises us in Matthew chapter 11 that if you're weary today, if you're laboring in life today, he says, come to me. Come to me and I will give you rest. That rest is available to us. That Jesus Christ has paid the price. He has paid the price for this rest. It's not dependent upon your good works or your performance. Like some of you might be convinced today, well, I enjoy the peace and the rest of God when I feel like I've been doing good, 
when I feel like I've had a lot of good works, when I feel like that I've been on the right path, but that's not a true feeling, that's not real. The truth of God's word is, is that peace and abundant life and strength and hope and joy are all yours, not because you had a good day, because you have a good God, and not because you have a string of good works, but because you have a God who has provided Jesus Christ as the finished work in your life. And all of this is available to us by faith, believing God. The answer to the issues in life and the challenges and all of the issues that we face day to day, moment by moment, the answer to these issues is not something we must do, but rather something we must enjoy and believe by faith. So today I wanna give you five reasons from chapter four. And like I share with you, I've been waiting to deliver this message to our church because I believe it is a word from God to you. And everyone watching it online, listening on the radio, listening at a later date, God has a word of reminder. Maybe for the very first time you're gonna learn some of these things as we tie up this chapter together. So let's look at five things that really substantiate the rest of God. Number one, we can rest in Jesus Christ because he saved our souls. Notice verse one of chapter four. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with, what does your Bible say? Faith. Not being mixed with faith. Faith is the key that unlocks the door to all the blessings of God. To enjoy them all. You already have them. They're there for you. You know, we were just recently uh, at one of those escape rooms. Have you ever done one of those escape rooms? You walk into the room and they have a bunch of puzzles and everything is locked. That's the whole point. You gotta figure out how to unlock everything. Well, a lot of believers feel like they're in an escape room trying to escape fear, anxiety, difficulty, and there's the box wondering, how do I open it? What's the key? The key to unlocking the box is faith. Do you today believe what God has said and what he has done in your life? The problem of the believers here uh, that he's referring to is that the word didn't profit them because they didn't mix it with faith. Notice verse three. For we who believe do enter that rest, as he has said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. We can rest in Jesus because he saved our souls. He empowered us by the Holy Spirit. This is one of the greatest truths that we know and believe. When you repented of your sins, when you were born again, the rest of God immediately became yours, instantly. All of the riches of God became yours and mine by faith. It was everything in him and nothing in you. You see, I don't have to save myself. I can't save myself, and that's good news. We've entered into the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. He alone saves. And notice verse 10, in salvation it says, those that enter the rest of God have also ceased from his works, as God did from his. We cease from our works. We realize now that it's all that God has done and continues to do through Jesus Christ for us. It's not our own efforts. 
And it's not our own abilities. And by now, somebody should be awake and say, amen. It doesn't depend upon your works. Because what do you do? What kind of good works do you actually offer to God anyway that weren't inspired by him in the first place? (laughs) What do we have to offer to God? You know, it doesn't mean that you have to walk someone across the street every day, seven days a week. That's where the peace of God comes from. I've done my good deed for the day. Listen, God has done his good deed in your life by saving your soul, and you can rest in him. That's where it is. See, my rest is the work that God has done in my life. It's not the works that I do, but it's his work in my life. He has given to me the sufficient grace that's needed to live life. You know, there are three elements of grace that we need to be reminded of. Number one, God has given us grace for salvation. That's a Bible word known as justification. Secondly, God has given us grace for our spiritual growth. There's a Bible word for that. That's the word sanctification. And then finally, God has given us grace for our eternal hope that he who began a good work in us will complete it until until the day of Jesus Christ. That's known as glorification. Now, for those of you interested in these things, uh, many years, a few years ago, we spent three and a half years studying through the book of Romans, verse by verse. And we looked at each one of these elements in its entirety, in depth. It's very important to know that you don't just need grace to be saved, but God has given you the strength, the needed grace to continue on. And not only that, but God has given you the needed grace to be able to stand before him, how? By faith, when it's all said and done, the hope of heaven. Why is it that you can rest by faith in Jesus Christ today? Because he saved you. That's your greatest need, isn't it? Of all the challenges and issues we face, our greatest need doesn't come from a doctor, doesn't come from a pill, doesn't come from a book, doesn't come from a CD set or an MP3 or an app or on YouTube. Our greatest need and help, our greatest need is the forgiveness of sin and our help comes from the Lord, him alone. That's the, di- that's the key. It's so wonderful to know that it's his work. I can rest because it's not my works that save me. I can rest because he saves me. It's his finished work. Number two, We can rest in Jesus Christ because God's word is true. God's word is true. You can believe God's word. Notice again, verse 12. For the word of God, that's no small thing. We kind of read it because we see it all. But the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of a heart. Take your Bibles, come back to me with me to Genesis with, for a moment. Come all the way back to Genesis chapter one. The word of God, the powerful life-giving word of God, the word of God that pierces, the word of God that's a discerner, the word of God. I can rest because God's word is true. So notice with me, Genesis chapter one, verse one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Notice, it says in verse three, then God said, verse six, then God said, verse nine, then God said, verse 14, then God said. Do you get the point yet? This is the creative power of God bringing into existence from nothing everything. God's word is true. And he spoke forth his word so that we have it in writing. I love God's faithfulness to us that knowing the frailty of our human minds, he put it down in writing so you can stand by it. 
and you can trust his word. What God has said in the past is true in the present. We can rest in that God, what God has told us in his word is sure and steadfast, is reliable and trustworthy. But isn't it true that many things disrupt our peace and our rest? You guys, can, you guys that have trouble sleeping at night, or maybe you're considered a light sleeper, would totally understand what I'm talking about. It's just like right when you get to sleep, some noise, some creak, some, some thing, some thought, and then you suddenly awake and you're like, I don't want to be awake, it's two o'clock in the morning, and you put your head back down, and why when you just get to sleep, then boom, something, you know, one of your kids jump, runs in and jumps, uh, the dog's scratching at the door, whatever. There's a lot of things that disrupt your sleep. Listen, there's a lot of things that disrupt your rest. Worries, bills, challenges, difficulties in your family, concerns, finances. I mean, life is one, it seems as if life can be one constant disruption. Our own personal weaknesses, troubles, doubts. And here's the thing. As we look at the things that we're personally going through, the challenges we're personally facing, no matter what we see or what we're feeling, God's word is still true. It doesn't change. The Bible says this in Romans chapter eight, verse 28. God's word says, and we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. We know that. It's a truth. It's a truth whether we feel it or not. And over and over again, we see God's faithfulness to those who love him and those whom he saved. As we believe God's word, immediately rest is restored. When we think, if I choose to look at my circumstances and I choose to dwell on my difficulties, when I, I live in my challenges and define myself by my pain, discouragement and depression are soon to arrive. But no matter what, no matter what I'm facing today, no matter what I'm in the middle of today, no matter what I'm in, God is working all things together for my good and for his glory. There isn't one thing that's outside of his power. As I believe that, rest rushes in, knowing that God is faithful. As I believe and I trust God, and I say, I don't know what you're gonna do with this situation, God. I don't want this, but I believe that you're gonna use it in my life. By faith, that means I can look at my problems and say this, this isn't gonna harm me the way I think it's gonna harm me. This isn't gonna be as bad as I think it's gonna be. Because we take a bad situation as we dwell on it, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and before you know it, the globe explodes. And you just, you know, you just stubbed your toe. When you stub your toe, please don't go to WebMD, all right? Because by the time you're done with that WebMD, man, you have every disease that was ever invented by man. No, believe God's word. Trust him. You know, you may not go to WebMD when you have all these types of symptoms, but I tell you what you do do. When you go through times and difficulties, many of you go into the recesses of your mind and you think of every bad thing that could possibly happen. Does that bring you rest? Yes or no? It doesn't bring me rest. <laughs> but I'll tell you what does. When I open God's word, and I begin to read God's love letter to me and I begin to recall the goodness of God, I immediately begin to rest and trust him again. Somebody once asked me, and I just received another note this week that asked me, saying, I just don't hear God's voice. I just don't hear God's voice anymore. 
Can I share with you how to hear God's voice? You want to hear God's voice? Let me tell you how. Take your Bible, open it, start reading it out loud, and you will hear God's voice. Because God's voice is contained in the Word of God, and you can trust it. And so as you're reading the Bible out loud, God is speaking to you, and He is speaking right in the moment. The problem is, is that our flesh fights us believing God's Word. We have a, like the Bible says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so we don't want to believe God's word. We don't really believe he's working things together. We don't really believe because circumstances are, are, are so heavy and they're right in our face. Things get so up in our face that we don't see the faithfulness of God anymore. And we don't feel the faithfulness of God. That's why the Bible says that we're to walk by faith and not by sight. I can't see it right now, but by faith, I can lay hold of that promise of God. When we look at the world around us, the chaos, the confusion, the moral decay, the decadence, the craziness, we're living in crazy days, out of control. The Bible describes, we're living in days that the Bible describes, the Bible uses a phrase for the days in which we live. They're called the last days, the last days. The Bible declares to us that we are closer to the coming of the Lord than any. Do you know today you are closer to the coming of, of Jesus Christ than you were yesterday? That we are the closest generation alive today to the coming of Jesus Christ. There's not a person on the planet Earth that is closer than the coming of Jesus Christ than you are today. And yet, we live in days that are increasingly growing darker and darker. The only way that you don't see that is that you choose not to see it that geopolitically things are out of control, that economically, again, as, as you just survey the world today, if you just survey the world today, not all is what it seems. We are, as a country, as a world population, but more so our country, at the highest level of debt per capita than ever in the history of when they took this kind of this, these statistics. Not only are we at that place individually, many, believers included, but also nationally, the highest level of debt. That, that means that we owe more than we bring in. And that means that the Bible says that we're to be a debtor to no man. So that means that we are, our hands are tied and you wonder, how is the, you know, the, the economy is as strong as it's ever been on debt. Things are as great as they be. Oh, everything, everything's great. Yeah, on debt. And you know what happens with debt? Debtors, those that, that you owe debt to decide to call the debt and flip things upside down. And you go, Ed, man, you were talking about rest, bro. Why are you bumming me out? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You made my point. I'm not bumming you out. I'm speaking the truth to you. And yet, if we just lay our lives before the craziness of this world and and we're lulled to sleep, I mean, the the things in this world, sin is being glorified in our culture. Sin. Things that are destroying lives. For many years now, the sin of abortion has been elevated to the highest degree. Imagine that. 
The Bible says that in the last days, there'll be those that call evil good and good evil. If we choose to focus on these things, to dwell on these things, if we choose to get caught up in the political environment of this world, our rest will dissipate. There's no rest in the politics of this world. There's no rest in the finances of this world. There's no rest in the gizmos and the gadgets. This world, the Bible says, is not where it's at. We're just passing through. And we're passing through with the most valuable thing that a person can possibly have, and that is the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ, that your sins can be forgiven, that God can change your life today. And may I may not see it in the chaos and confusion as we're watching and reading the news all the time, discouragement can come in, but I can choose to stand upon the word of God and see the world for what it really is according to the, wor- according to the word of God. He intends to give us peace because it's true. It's true despite what's happening in the world today. The world has no bearing on the word of God. It doesn't undermine the word of God. It doesn't, you know, the critics, do you know the Bible that you have in your hand has outlived every single one of its critics? And the ones that are criticizing the Bible right now, the Bible's gonna last beyond them too. Everyone that has a problem with the Bible, everyone that doesn't like, oh, I don't believe that, it was just a myth. Oh, I don't believe that, it was just a fairy tale. Really? Really, you really believe that? You think fairy tales transform lives? Uh, I can watch some Disney movie, that doesn't change my life, but God changed my life. His word came into my life and he saved me and rescued me and rescued a family and he took it backwards in my family above and he's taken it forward in the generations to come. God, his word is not a fairy tale. It is his very creative, powerful word. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is resident in the word of God and in you and no matter how wild this world gets, you can trust and rest in God because his word is true. It's true. Number three. Number three. We can rest in Jesus because nothing is missed by him. Notice with me verse 13 again. There's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This truth reminds me of the rest that's found in Jesus because he knows Let that sink in for a moment right now. All of the things that you don't know, God knows. You're wondering about, God knows. You're not sure how it's gonna turn out, God knows. I mean, think of it. So much disruption of our peace comes because of evil in the world. And this verse alone, this truth of God's word alone reminds us that no one is getting away with anything. No one. So much uneasiness. So much anxiety comes as we wonder why people seem to be getting away with so much evil. My God, I don't get away with anything, Lord. How do they get away with this stuff? How does it continue? What is going on today, God? You can jot it down in Psalm 37. That was exactly what was on the heart of the psalmist. And the Bible says, don't fret. Don't fret over evildoers. Don't let it trouble you. We tend to fret when we see evil being done. So much neglect in our world. So much abuse. So much pain. You hear some of the stories and your heart just sinks. You hear some of the stories and turmoil enters in. 
and we think, when is there going to be justice? When is things going to be right? How are they going to get away with it? How long, Lord? Listen, remember this and rest on this fact by faith. No one is getting away with anything. Nothing is hidden, the Bible says. Have you ever felt like, have you ever felt like maybe this has come out of your lips where you tell God, God, don't you see what they're doing? God, don't you know? (laughs) Can't you just hear God answering from heaven based on this scripture? God would be saying something like, hey son, hey daughter, not only do I see what, what you see, but I see a lot more. You go, Lord, they're doing this to me and they wrote this about me and they said this and they undermined this and they told my family this. God, don't you see? And God says, oh, not only do I see what, they're, what you see, but they're doing a lot more to you that you don't see and they're not gonna get away with it. And then you go, oh, thanks, Lord. I didn't know they were doing more. I thought they were just doing this. I didn't know they were doing more to me. And, and here we are, you just know nothing is missed by God. Everything that you wanna know, God knows. Everything that you want to see, God sees. And you can rest that justice will be done and that God will make things right. And I can trust him. Whatever comes my way, whatever's happening, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. That's the word of the Lord to you. Don't worry about it. And you go, Ed, that doesn't sound very biblical. Don't worry about it. Well, listen to Matthew chapter 6. Listen to the words of our Savior in verse 34. I'll read it to you from the New Living. He says, so don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Don't worry about it. Let the Lord take care of it. Allow him to be your defender. Know that nothing, you've been crying out to God lately. God, don't you know? The answer from heaven is yes, I know. Trust me, hold fast to me because we can rest because God knows. Number four, we can rest in Jesus Christ because we have a sympathetic high priest. We learned that last time, a sympathetic high priest. Notice in verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but was in all points, and you should have already circled that word all last time, All points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus Christ knows what you're going through. He's experienced it personally, yet without sin. He knows the pressures. He knows the temptations. He knows the concerns. And he can sympathize with you. Even more so, he can empathize with you. He's not a high priest that's distant from you. He's not a high priest that doesn't care. But rather... We have a high priest who knows our weaknesses, who knows our plights, who knows our afflictions, not just in theory, but experientially, he knows. We come to our Savior, to the throne of grace, to find help in time of need because he knows and he understands. We forget sometimes that Jesus, the Son of God, became a man. He came in human form so he would walk among us In John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He he lived in the same human carcass that you live in. He walked on the same sinful world that you live in. He faced the same temptations that you face, and yet without sin. He sympathizes and empathizes. And it's such a great ministry 
I believe when the Holy Spirit sends us people into our lives that bring comfort and encouragement, but remember, the people that God sends are only temporary encouragements because we only have one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. There, there is no man and no woman on the planet that can give you kind of comfort and rest that Jesus gives. There's no man or woman on the planet that can fully understand what you're facing. There's no man or woman on the planet that can bring you to a place of peace and rest. Only Jesus Christ, who? Your sympathetic high priest. He doesn't come with a book of theology to teach you all the theology of what rest is and breaks it down in the Hebrew and the Aramaic and shares you. He doesn't do that. What does he do? He imparts to you his rest and peace as a supernatural work of God's grace. He gives it to you from the inside out so that if you choose in the moment right now to trust God, rest and peace are yours immediately. Jesus understands. You may come to me after a service and share with me your situation and I don't quite understand what you're going through. I've never walked down that path in my own life. I might be able to understand a little bit of your pain because I've experienced pain or fear. I've experienced fear. There's some things I've experienced and there's many things I haven't. It's not so with Jesus Christ. When you come to him with all of your cares and concerns, right? Peter learned this. He said, casting all your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Because he's sympathetic with you. Where he's, you know, don't think of sympathy as feeling sorry. He doesn't feel sorry for you. He loves you. And he wants to see you healed and strengthened. He wants to see you continue to get up and move forward in your relationship with him. He wants to see you strong and faithful and resting in the sure promises of his word. Anytime you call upon the name of the Lord, he's there for you to meet you right where you're at. If you ended up calling the office this week and looking for me, you know what you'd probably get? Voicemail. How's that going to encourage you? Hey, uh, okay, the phone's ringing, the phone's ringing, the phone's ringing, and, and click, uh, uh, this is Ed, and I ha- cannot answer my phone. Oh, man. And you call me, you want to come and talk to me as if I'm the solution. Listen, I'm not the solution. I'm not your mediator between you and God. My responsibility is to get you to the sympathetic high priest that's with you all the time. Now, I might call you back three or four days later, who knows? But Jesus is with you all those times. Isn't it true that many times in the times of crisis, we turn to man instead of to God? And what does it do? It disrupts our peace because you never know what you're going to get with man. They may pray for you. They may give you some dumb opinion that bums you out even more. You're like, I didn't. I'm going going through it and I just need some prayer. Why are you going through it? Believers don't go through it. Oh, dude. Now I'm going through it because I'm mad at you, man. You're just making it worse. Like, you don't know what you're going to get with man, but you know what you're going to get with God. Sympathy, love, peace, kindness, joy. You have all of the Spirit inside of you. How? By faith. How can I rest and put my head on the pillow tonight with a clean conscience resting? Well, I can rest because Jesus is sympathetic to me. And he understands me. Like the psalmist said in Psalm 103, remember in verse 13, the Lord is like a father to his children tender and compassionate to those who fear him for he understands how weak we are he understands how weak we are he knows that we're only dust isn't that something we forget we forget how weak we are (laughs) we just forget but the lord knows and he cares so by way of review number one we can rest because jesus saved our souls number two we can rest because god's word is true Thirdly, we can rest because nothing is missed by God. 
Fourthly, we can rest because we have a sympathetic high priest. And finally today, we can rest in Jesus Christ because God has an unlimited supply of grace to strengthen us in our challenges. Isn't that great? There is an unlimited supply of grace to strengthen us in our daily challenges. Here's the thing. We just don't value weakness in our lives. Weakness is viewed as what it says, as a weakness. We don't see the strength in our own human weaknesses. So we try to do everything that we can to get out of a place of weakness. Because we believe strength is where it's to be. We believe to be the strongest. We've been raised to be strong and to stand up for ourselves. But that's really not the reality. The stronger you are in the, hum- in the flesh of your life, the weaker you are spiritually. The more that you're relying upon yourself, the less that we're relying upon God. You can't do both at the same time. You, you can't bo- be both self-reliant and broken before God. They don't go together. You can't be both filled with faith and filled with self. They don't go together. And so what does God do? He allows and he sends situations and challenges into our lives so that we might experience the weakness of our humanity. I mean, imagine this for a moment. If the issue that you face today and you wake up to tomorrow is a financial issue and there is money in the bank, what will you do? Most likely, you will pull out your check and write a check to that issue. But if you don't have any money in the bank, what do you do? You pray. You're like, I don't know. I had a problem on Sunday, but now that I got the mail on Monday, it's worse. God, what do I do? How do I respond? And you think if the solution is within your hands, within your strength, most likely you will use what you have to solve your problems. That may or may not be from the Lord. I mean, he may use the resources. You may have, you know, let's say that financial thing. Years ago, you may have taken the biblical principle of saving for the future, and now that's the resources. That, that could be totally from the Lord. But I'm talking about deep weakness here, issues that are beyond your control. Listen, God has an unlimited supply of grace to meet all of your needs and challenges every single moment of every single day. Challenges, temptations, difficulties, they remind us of our weakness. I know that as soon as a hard thing hits, we cry out to God asking him to remove the trial. We ask him to deliver us. We ask him to save us. We ask him to rescue us. And sometimes, praise God, that's exactly what he does. But what I have found most of the time is that he doesn't deliver us from the trials, but rather he goes through the trial with us. Isn't that what happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They went through the fire. How? With the presence of the Lord right in their midst. Isn't that what happened with Daniel when he was thrown into the lion's den? Man, he wasn't delivered from the lion's den. He was there with him. The lion's mouths were shut. And time after time and after time again, we find that God will be with us through the trial. Think of it in your life, the trial that you're in right now. Others have given up on you a long time ago, but not God. There's an ample supply of grace to get you through today. None of us are exempt from problems. We all face them. We all have them. Even though I think sometimes our prayer is, no more, Lord, no more. I'm done. Don't I have my full share of quota for my lifetime of a person? 
But Peter taught us that sometimes we need to go through trials. Did you know that? Sometimes you need to go through trials. You need them. And you go, come on, Ed. You're just making that up, man. Show me in the Bible where it says that. Glad you asked. First Peter chapter 1, verse 6. Listen, Peter would know. He says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Sometimes we need them so that the result is the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes through its tested by fire may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Listen, there are just times in our lives where we place far more value on gold than our faith. Where gold is just the thing, our possessions, things that really are gonna be here today and gone tomorrow, more valuable than our faith. And so in those seasons, it's needed that our faith be tried and tested in this life. God has promised to be with you through them all. He hasn't abandoned you. You can rest that God is with you today. Isaiah 43, verse one. But now thus says the Lord who created you, Jacob, who formed you, Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. God has an endless supply of grace that he'll give to you, but not until you need it. God shows up in the moment. And again, using that picture of saving, there's some of you, you're just savers. And so you're like, well, let me just take the grace and the good times, take the grace and the good times, and I'll build up an account so I can draw on that account when tough times come. That's not how it works. It's daily grace that's sufficient to meet all of your needs in the moment. It can't be stored up. It can only be enjoyed in the moment, rested upon in the moment. It's not given until you need it. Remember Paul the Apostle? There's a section in 2 Corinthians where he's crying out by the issue in his life. He cries out to God because he's got this pain, this difficulty in his life. And I believe that he's crying out to God because he sees this difficulty as a hindrance to his future ministry. That he could be so much more effective, that he can do so much more for God, that he can have so much more peace and rest if God would just deliver him from this thorn, if he would just plead with God three times, take it away, take it away, take it away. And what was God's answer? God's answer was very simple. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And what Paul thought was a hindrance was actually the opening for the dispensation of grace in his life. That God would dispense the needed grace to get through the weakness. And so today you can rest as you answer the call. When Jesus says, and let me quote it to you, come to me all you that labor and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart 
and you'll find rest for your souls. Listen, it's only with Jesus in a relationship by faith that you will find the rest that you're looking for. You're not gonna find the rest with the problem solved. You're not gonna find the rest with the issue disappearing. That rest doesn't come when what you think needs to be done is done. Rest is only found, good or bad, hard or easy, by faith in Jesus Christ. The moment you turn to Jesus by faith and trust him is the instant, the millisecond, that rest once again floods your mind and you enjoy what is already yours. Knowing and believing God saved our souls, knowing and believing that God's word is true, knowing and believing nothing is missed by him, knowing and believing Jesus is our sympathetic high priest, knowing and believing God's unlimited supply of grace gives us the enjoyment of his rest, his peace, and his hope. And we can lay before him all the issues that we face, resting in the fact that God's plan for this world and his plan for you in Jesus Christ is sure and reliable. And the world won't always be as it is. Evil will be gone, sin will be gone, there won't always be oppression, poverty, disease, and that which destroys people's lives because Jesus Christ is returning. And while we wait for him and serve him and diligently be about the Father's business, we can rest. Rest is not the absence of action. It's a state of mind where the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's good stuff. I pray that the Lord just fills your heart with it, that we rest in him. My mind troubles me. I may be the only one in the room, but my mind is a troubling thing. But God's rest can even overcome my troubling mind and reminding me of his goodness and his faithfulness. To think that God loves me And he doesn't love me any more today than he did when I was a rotten scoundrel of an unbeliever. He demonstrated that love to you and to me on the cross of Jesus Christ. That God in human flesh died for your sins. For your sins, not just mine. That he would deliver us from a life of torment and difficulty and anxiety and lies and being ripped off by the falsehood of this world. And if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ before, you've never asked him to forgive you of your sins. Your greatest need today you think is your kids, not your greatest need. Your greatest need today you think is finances. It's actually not your greatest need. You you think your greatest need is a position here or a place to live there, although those are all great and heavy needs, I agree. It's not your greatest need. Your greatest need is to have your sins forgiven and your eternity secure. That's your greatest need. It surpasses everything that you're facing and all the difficulties that you may come in contact with. And so as we pray today, I wanna ask you, those of you that need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, this is the day, this is the time. And so Father, we ask, according to your word, that you would make these truths come alive in our hearts, God. I know how much I battle you in my mind, God. How much my mind doesn't wanna believe you. And I don't want it that way, so it's like a battle. It's a battle, Lord, to surrender myself to you. But I'm grateful you have an endless supply of grace to meet my every need. 
and that my salvation doesn't depend upon my mind. <laughs> that you've already given me rest. And by faith in Jesus Christ, we can rest in you, trusting you with our lives. That you can ease the anxiety that we feel when there are things outside of our control. That you can ease the anxiety we feel when we're challenged by a family situation, by a wayward child, by a difficult spouse. That God, we are not alone in this battle of our lives. As believers, we have you. The very power that spoke the world into existence resides inside of us. And you know things that we don't even know. And we trust you with our lives. You're sovereign, in control, faithful, reliable, trustworthy. And I pray today that for those that are here that have never given their lives to you, God, that today you have drawn their attention to you. They weren't thinking about God five weeks ago, six weeks ago. But today they are. Today they're hearing a Bible study. Today they're listening to a man speak about the love and the mercy and the grace of you, God. And I pray for them that in this moment of truth, this moment of decision, this invitation, that they would respond to the invitation. That they would be like Matthew in the Bible. That when he was told to get up and follow Jesus, he got up and followed you. And he left his past behind him. And so as the church is praying, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I want to invite you right in this moment to follow Jesus. The Bible says this, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in, his, in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you need to be saved. That's your greatest issue, salvation. And I know it's a humbling thing to think as strong as you are and how smart as you are and, and how, how much life you've already lived or you're young and you have your whole life ahead of you, it's hard to admit that you need to be saved, that you need to be forgiven, that you've actually failed, but you have because the Bible declares. We don't need you to admit it to us. The Bible already declares that we have all failed and fallen short of God's perfection. Actually, the Bible says it this way. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And today if you'll turn your life toward him, he will not resist you and push you away. So today, if that's you and you'd say, Ed, my life needs to be right with God. Would you just stand to your feet today? I want to pray with you. It's sort of like a public uh, decision, isn't it? God bless you. It's a public decision. A decision to follow God with your life to accept the forgiveness of sin through his son Jesus Christ who died for you on a Roman cross imagine that who has ever died for you no one but God sent his own son to sacrifice his own life for you is there anyone else that would say that's me that today's the appointment of God in your life what we might call a divine appointment I don't know how you got here I don't know what the issues are, God bless you, but God does. Nothing's hidden from him. Nothing's hidden. Church, it's a high and holy moment of God wrestling with the hearts of men. So please take your prayer seriously and pray for the victory of God during times like this. Pray for the wrestling to stop. Just like you pray for your family, pray for people listening right now, how much you love them. And so here, let me give you a chance to confess with your mouth, okay? I want you to talk to God. It's what we call prayer. And I want to lead you in a short prayer that will help you confess to God your sins. You could say something like this. 
those of you that responded, standing or sitting, doesn't matter. You could say this, God, I admit that I've sinned against you and I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe you sent Jesus Christ to live for me, to die for me, and I believe Jesus rose again from the dead to save me from my sins. God, I ask you to help me turn away from my sinful past, to lay down the issues of my life and give me freedom like you promise in the Bible. And I dedicate to following you the rest of my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.